This morning's scripture reading will be from John 1, 1 through 5. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. so glad you're here today, especially a shout out to our college students. Many of them had a big night and a big weekend, and I am thankful to see you here this morning. I'm thankful to see everyone here this morning. It is Commission Sunday, a great opportunity for us to celebrate what God is doing through missions here at Edmond, but not just to celebrate it, not just to pray for it, but to partner with God, to be a part of what God is doing around this world, literally around the world, to spread the gospel. And so I'm glad you're here. I'm glad in a small way or a big way, whatever part you have to play, I am thankful that you are part of what God is doing. To our guests, we are always so thankful to see you. That song we just sang, the way it ends, Lights of the World, You Step Down Into Darkness. Aren't we thankful that that happened? Aren't we thankful that we don't just sing about that, we celebrate that each week when we gather around the table. It is something that literally happened. The light of God stepped down into the darkness of this world. And because of that, we have hope. We have joy. There's meaning in life and there is purpose. No matter how dark the days get, we should be thankful. I hope that you are thankful. You know, there are hundreds of eternal flames all over the world. These flames that are supposed to burn continually, they are put in certain places to commemorate significant events or to memorialize important people. The last one I saw actually was in Jerusalem, right outside Jerusalem on what is called the Mount of Remembrance. There is a large, a beautiful Holocaust museum and memorial. And as a part of that memorial, there is an eternal flame. And that flame burns continually, night and day, day after day, to remind us so that our memories won't stop, so that our thoughts won't stop when it comes to all the Jewish people who died in the Holocaust. And when you see that flame, you're reminded that their memory continues on. Now, for most Americans, when we think about eternal flames, we probably think about John F. Kennedy. Arlington National Cemetery. President JFK was assassinated in November of 1963, and right after his assassination, his wife wanted to have something to commemorate him, to memorialize him, something that would endure. And so she came up with the idea of this eternal flame, and so they made it happen. And obviously, the flame is supposed to burn continuously. Well, there's been at least a couple of times where this eternal flame wasn't quite so eternal. It was extinguished a couple of times. Once in 1967, when a huge storm hit, and the storm flooded the flame, it even flooded the transformer that was used to run the backup system to reignite the flame and so they had to do some work there the other time was actually about a month after it was originally lit 
It was originally lit in 1963, as I said, and before they had a chance to build a backup system, there was one day where there were some Catholic school children there to see the gravesite. And these kids had what they thought was holy water, and they wanted to bless this site. And so they began to sprinkle water on the site, and one of the lids comes off the bottle. <laughs> and they doused the flame, and it went out. But thankfully, there was a cemetery worker nearby who also was a smoker, and so he was Johnny on the spot, had his lighter, and swooped in and relit the flame, and everything was good. That is the nature of an eternal flame. It is supposed to continue to burn. Those are created, they're built to withstand adverse conditions. Because the purpose is to be a permanent presence in the collective consciousness of a community. People are supposed to see those flames and know they represent something. And not just that they represent something like a statue would represent something, but there is something about always burning, always lighting the way. But what happens when the light goes out? What happens when the eternal flame doesn't seem eternal? Let me go all the way back to the beginning, back to the origin of light. In Genesis chapter 1, as the Bible opens up, we read these words, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. And God said, Let there be light. And there was light. And God saw the light, that it was good. And so with those words, let there be light, God speaks literal light into the dark voids of what we would call the universe, the world. But I think those opening words in Scripture aren't just about the literal light of God being created. I think they also remind us that God was shining His light that he was infusing the darkness of the world with his glory, with his goodness. That when God created light, it wasn't just a literal light. It was a spiritual force. It was his presence among us, his creation. It was his provision for us. But what happened? We happened, <laughs> Armed with free will, in this desire to be autonomous, we sinned against God. Humanity sinned against God. And because of that sin, they allowed, we allow, the shadows of sin and sickness to infiltrate the light of God's good creation. Remember what he said about his light? It was good. And when... Humankind sinned in the garden. They allowed darkness to infiltrate the light of God. And when we read the Old Testament, from that point forward, we see this continue to happen. We see God, Israel. God makes for himself this nation, Israel. He calls them out of the world to be a light to the nations. The text says he makes his face shine upon them. 
But what do they do? They do what we often do. They chose to live in darkness. They choose to sin. And with that sin that they choose, they allow the darkness to overshadow the light of God. And what does God do? Well, God continually finds a way to reignite their faith, to continue to to show his love, his grace, his mercy on them, to shine his face on them. And so we see this cycle on and on. God pouring his light and his love into his people and them choosing to live in darkness. And God continuing to pour his light and his love and they continue to live in darkness, overshadowing the light of God. If only there was some enduring light that would last. If, if only there was an eternal flame that would never go out. You know, if you spend enough time in darkness, bad things are going to happen, aren't they? Maybe you've heard me tell this story before, but back when I was in college at OC, one weekend, a friend, and, a friend of mine and I were on a school-sponsored trip. We were down in Texas, and we were in a school-issued vehicle. It wasn't either one of our cars. I was driving. He was riding shotgun. It was really late at night. It was like midnight. We were in the middle of Texas somewhere. No other cars around. It was pitch black, dark at night. And he decides it would be funny to lean over and turn off the headlights of the car. So that's what he does. I'm driving this car. He leans over, turns off the headlights. Well, it wasn't my car. I didn't know where the lights were. And it was back in the days, you know, now pretty much all car lights are right there on the column somewhere. But back in the day, that wasn't the case. You, you never knew really where the lights were. Remember the button you just pushed, their little round button? So I am frantically searching for the lights while driving still in the dark, having no clue what's in front of me. And what is he doing? Is he worried? Is he concerned? He's laughing. He's sitting there laughing because he thinks this is funny, right? So his dying act is going to be a practical joke on me. That's the way you want to go out. Well, finally I found the lights and I turn them on and after I calmed down, I had a little laugh too and we went on about our business. But you know what happens if you spend too much time in the dark? If you remain in the dark, you're going to lose your way. And eventually bad things are going to happen. If only there was some light that would always shine. If, if only there was a way that we would not be trapped in our own darkness. Let me call your attention to the Gospel of John. His Gospel starts very much like the beginning of the Bible that we just read a few moments ago in the beginning. John chapter 1 verse 1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. You see, come to find out, God's light has always been inextinguishable. You can't put out the light of God. Now, we try. 
We try because we like to live in darkness. Like Adam and Eve, we like to be autonomous, independent. We like to go our own way. And when we do that, we cast shadows over the light of God. But make no mistake, God's light will not be turned off. It will not be snuffed out. And even when we look around our world and we we don't just see the darkness, we feel the darkness. You know that kind of darkness you can feel? We turn on the news and it just seems so discouraging, so depressing. We go on social media and it's just all of this rhetoric and hatred. We see things happen in our world, whether it's natural disasters like the storms in Tennessee or it's viruses that we're afraid of or it's injustice or oppression, innocent people, it's war, it's terrorism. We know this is a dark world, but the darkness isn't just at arm's length, it is even right among us. Some of you know what it's like to walk through the valley of the shadow of death. You know what it's like to experience the darkness of this broken world. It sometimes feels like the darkness is overshadowing the light of God. It sometimes feels like evil is winning the day. And we say things like, what's going to happen? We say things like, everything's going down the tubes and we live in fear. But I want you to keep listening to the story. To the story that is at the beginning the story that continues what happened at the beginning, the story from John's gospel. After 400 years of silence, after generations of people living in darkness by their own choice, finally it was time. Back to John chapter 1, verse 9. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision, or a husband's will, but born of God. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father full of grace and truth. Finally, finally, the light, this enduring light, this eternal flame didn't just shine from heaven. Now it is among us. The Word becomes flesh and dwells among us. God would not stand by and let darkness consume His light. So what does he do? He sends his son into the world. And Jesus referred to himself that way. Later in John's gospel, chapter 8, verse 12, Jesus says, I am the light of the world. And then later in chapter 12, verse 46, he says, I have come into the world as a light so that no one who believes, no one who believes in me should remain in darkness. God couldn't let it happen. God wouldn't let it happen. He would not let darkness prevail. And so the word becomes flesh. 
and the light of heaven steps down into darkness. You see, what you need to know is that the light of the Lord, it will never be overcome with darkness. You need to know that no matter how dark the days get, no matter how difficult life gets, no matter what you see on social media or on the news, no matter how discouraging it seems and dark it appears, the light of the Lord will never be overcome by the darkness of this world. Jesus came to give hope, to show the way, to expose sin, to guide us into truth. Jesus came as the light. And because that happened, that should give you great peace. But it should also give you purpose. We look back at John's gospel, and we see someone else introduced to us. Another man named John, not the writer, but this John's middle name is The, and his last name is Baptist. We call him John the Baptist. And we see what his role is. In regards to the light, John chapter 1, verse 6, there was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light so that through him all might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. Look at that phrase, witness to the light. Isn't that a great description of who we are to be? John says, that's what I am. I'm not the light. Don't look to me for salvation, but let me show you the way. Let me bear witness to the light. I have seen the light, and let me tell you about him. You see, we are to be witnesses to the light. Knowing that the light of heaven stepped down into darkness should mean so much to us, and it should give us great comfort and great peace but it should also give us purpose. And part of our purpose is to be a witness to the light. How do you do that? There are so many ways to do that. There are so many opportunities to be a witness to the light. Every day we have opportunities. Sometimes we miss them. Sometimes we miss them because we are walking in the darkness. We're choosing that. Sometimes we miss them because we just keep our head down. But we have opportunities every day day but on this commission Sunday it's a great time for us to be reminded of one way we can be witnesses to the light and that is through missions here at Edmond we just prayed for this huge group of people on the stage who are leaving Saturday to go on a mission trip what's their purpose their purpose is to bear witness to the light by their actions, by their service, by their words, by their teaching, to be a witness to the light. We have missionaries here that we support, many missionaries all over the world. And some of them are even here with us today. Chris Crowder, where are you? Are you here? He's right up here in the balcony. Chris is our missionary in Northern Ireland. He's here right now because he's having some visa problems and he's trying to work out the paperwork so he can get back there as soon as he can. And God is using Chris in that congregation to reach out to, to especially those who are on the outskirts of society, those who are marginalized, and specifically young people 
who don't have much stability at home. God is using that church to reach them. That church and Chris, they're a witness to the light. Over here we have Roger and Diane Samore. Wave to everyone. The Samores are in Montreal, longtime missionaries. Last week they made the 24-hour drive down to Edmond. Now they didn't do it all in one day. They broke it up. And they had quite an adventurous time along the way. You might want to ask them about that. It involved a cracker barrel and the police and a wallet, but that's all I'll tell you at this point. And probably a giant Tootsie Roll somewhere in there. They're working in Montreal, this massive city, millions of people, and their congregation is very diverse, multilingual. And yet, there is this great sense of unity, this great sense of mission. And it's very difficult to establish any kind of stability there because Montreal is one of those cities where a lot of people move in for a while and then they move along. And yet God is using the Samoas. God is using that church to be a witness to the light in that community. The Sojourners Bible class who have adopted our Nicaraguan mission teams tell me about what's happening there that God is doing great things. The church is growing. More and more people are coming to Christ. And, and now they have a couple of projects they're doing. As you can see from the pictures, they're clearing some land and building at least two small, very what we would call primitive houses. And while the cost isn't much for these houses, the benefit, the blessing is immeasurable. You see, they are praying as they do these projects that the people who are benefiting from these. The people whose house they're building will see the gospel embodied. They will be drawn to the light. One of the husbands, one of the dads, is not a Christian. And so the prayer is that he will see this love, this service, and be drawn to Jesus. You see, they're being a witness to the light. The pathfinders have updated me on Jana Miller and what she's doing. She's so excited because she's going to be working with one of our other missionaries down there, Thomas, who teaches this class on organic gardening. He's been doing this for over 15 years, and now he's going to take the time, and, and they're going to make it available to some of the families where Jana is placing children from the Haven Orphanage into homes. And so they're going to train these families on how to do organic gardening, which will help them be more efficient, help them save money, obviously help them provide food. But more than that, as he does this training, he weaves the gospel message into it. Jesus often used agriculture to illustrate the kingdom and the gospel. Thomas does the same thing. And the prayer is that as they hear this, as they experience this, that they will experience the good news of Jesus. Jana also asked us to pray about the search they are doing for another social worker to work at the haven, the orphanage, that takes these children who really have no home, works with them, and tries to place them in a secure Christian environment. She says, we're looking for someone to work with, as someone who has a passion for children and helping families. She said, and the idea is that this person will work with me for a while and then take my place. 
We're talking about being a witness to the light. Maybe this morning, as you think about what that means in your life, maybe you're feeling a little bit of a nudge from God after hearing this. It would not surprise me at all if someone in this room right now isn't serving in Zambia at the Haven a year from now. That's not an exaggeration. That would not surprise me at all. Maybe it's you. Maybe that's the nudge you need. And maybe that's the way God is calling you to be a witness to the light. God is working through all of our other missionaries too. We have missionaries in Germany and Ecuador and Guatemala and Mexico and of course throughout the U.S. And all of these missionaries are serving as witnesses to the light. They are in the trenches. They are on the front lines. And they know why they're there. The same reason John was there. I'm not the light. I came only as a witness to the light. How is God nudging you? How can you answer that calling to be a witness to the light? Again, there are a lot of ways to do that. It's not just in places like Zambia or Montreal. It's right here. If our men who are going to help take up the offering can go ahead and get ready to go, we want to think about one specific way we can be a witness to the light. And that is by sending and supporting. Sending mission trips like the one we just prayed about. Supporting missionaries like the ones we just talked about. That's one way we can be a witness to the light because those funds that we give, they fuel that light. They keep that light burning. They keep it going. That enduring light, that eternal flame. And so I hope that you will take very seriously your role in what God is doing through this congregation to spread the gospel. And let me just say to our guests today, again, we're so thankful you're here. We don't expect you to give today. If you want to, that's great. We do not expect you to do that. But I would ask you to do a couple of things. Pray. Pray for our world. Pray that the gospel and the light of the gospel would pierce the darkness in this world. And don't just pray about it, but pray about your role. How can you be a witness to the light? What does that mean for you? I think mission work, evangelism, is very contextualized. And it looks different in different places. And sometimes it looks different in different people's lives. And so all of us need to ask that question. All of us need to spend time in prayer. How can we be a witness to the light? Again, one way we can do it, and one way we choose to do it here three times a year is by giving sacrificially to send out mission trips to support missionaries. If you didn't come prepared to give today, you can do that online. Just go to our church website, click on Give Online, choose Commission Sunday, not a trip. I think that's what it says, something like that. Choose that. You can give online. You can do that right now. You can do that later today. But I want to offer a prayer over our missionaries, over our mission trips in general, and a prayer over our offering as we give sacrificially today. Join me in prayer. God, thank you so much. Thank you for letting your light enter this world. 
Thank you for the light of heaven stepping down into darkness, Father. Sometimes the darkness seems so overwhelming in our world. We get discouraged. We get tempted. Father, sometimes we doubt. Sometimes we give up. God, help us to open our eyes to see the light, the light that you are shining into our hearts, the light that you are shining into this world. Help us to be aware of who you are, of what you're doing among us. Father, thank you for the light of your love, the light of your presence in our lives. And Father, may we not just soak it up. May we not just absorb your light. May we be reflections, channels of your light, witnesses to your light in this world. And today, Father, as we think about all that you're doing through missions, I thank you for Chris, and I thank you for Roger and Diane, and for Jana, and for our teams in Nicaragua, and all the other places where we have missionaries, Father. We lift them up to you right now. In this moment, help them to feel peace and strength. Help them to feel empowered by your Spirit as we lift them up to you in prayer, Father. Thank you for the work they do. And God, we pray about those that we are sending out this year, those from this church family, that you would use us to be a light, to reflect your light, to be a witness to your light. So other people will be drawn into your presence, but they will be drawn into the presence of your Son. So Father, as we give now, help us to give with cheerful hearts, happy to be a part of what you're doing. Help us to give in such a way that it can be used to fuel that light in this world. We give you all the praise and glory as we pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you so much for your generous offering. Isn't it great? Isn't it a blessing to be a part of a church that doesn't just sit passively, that doesn't just go through the motions, but a church that says we want to be active in this world as ambassadors of Christ. We want the light of the Lord to shine not only on us, but through us. We should give thanks that we're a part of a church that takes very seriously the Great Commission. And so I thank you today for your generous giving continue to pray for our missionaries continue to pray for our mission trips as we conclude i want to tell you a story story that is heartbreaking in some ways and yet sheds some light on what we're talking about a father a man named donald his mother died he had two young girls so it was their grandmother first death really that these girls had experienced and so on their way to the funeral the dad is trying to think about how to communicate this to his daughters and how to give them some perspective on death on suffering they're in the car and they pull up at an intersection to a traffic light it's a sunny day the sun is warming the inside of the car as it shines through the windows but then suddenly a big truck pulls up next to them at the light, casting a shadow into the car. And this father gets an idea. And he turns around and he says to his daughters, I have a weird question for you. Would you rather be hit by a shadow or hit by that truck? <laughs> and one of his little girls says, Daddy, that's a silly question. Shadows can't hurt you. I'd rather be hit by a shadow than that truck. And then he went on to explain that their grandmother had passed away. 
began to talk about death, and he said it's, it's as if she was hit by the shadow, as if Jesus stepped in the way and took her place, that in essence the truck hit Jesus. And because he did that, now we get to see her again. We will get to see her again in a place where there aren't any shadows, where there's not any darkness, where there's not any sickness and no death. Now, you and I know that sometimes the shadows can hurt. We know when we get that diagnosis, we know when we're sitting in that funeral home or that beside that hospital bed or we're dealing with that marital crisis or that family struggle or that financial situation or that job loss or that physical struggle or that emotional struggle or that mental illness we know that shadows can be painful and yet what we need to remember is that one day those shadows will be washed over with the light of the Lord those shadows will not last. That darkness will be pierced for eternity. There will be an eternal flame, and trust me, it will not go out. We will live forever in the light of the Lord. Doesn't that sound good? It sounds like where I want to be. I hope it's where you want to be. I hope it's who you want to be. So this morning, what is your response? What do you do with that? What do you do with the knowledge that the light of heaven stepped down into darkness? What do you do with the calling and the commissioning to be a witness to the light? I hope you'll respond in some way. If today you need to respond in such a way where you seek prayers or support, we want to be here for you. A couple of our shepherds and their wives will be in the parlor. It's a room right behind me. In just a moment, you can exit the auditorium and make your way there. They would be happy to pray with you, to encourage you. Or you can come down to the front as well. Maybe today you're ready to give your life to Christ. You are tired of living in the darkness of this world. It's time to confess your faith in Jesus, to be baptized into Christ. Today is the day. If there's something we can do, we invite you to come as we stand and sing.